All right, thank you for that. Appreciate that. What a good song. What a good message that the God of the day is still God of the night. And, you know, regardless of if things are going good or going bad, God's still God. And uh, I'll spare you my cheesy story that I tell uh, when about, about that. Someday you'll probably hear it, I'm sure, because I've, uh, I don't think I've told it here yet, but I've used it many a times, and, uh, uh, but I'll spare you that this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And um, I want to preach this morning on pleasing God. You'll remember last week we looked at... Uh, faith, and, and there was not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. And, uh, and so we looked at the idea of faith and how great faith, uh, and just a few of the characteristics really of that great faith. And this morning, I want to look at pleasing God out of Hebrews chapter number 11. And if you're at all familiar with um, uh, Hebrews and Hebrews 11 specifically, it has been called many times the hall of faith. Uh, it deals particularly with faith uh, over and over. It gives examples of faith throughout Scripture, and it's a phenomenal chapter. And, uh, and so we'll look there this morning, Hebrews chapter number 11. And verse, we'll start with verse number 5, though we will take our text out of verse number 6. I want us to see the context of the entire uh, statement there. And look with me in Hebrews eleven five. 5. The Bible says, by faith... Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a statement that is made right there, that he pleased God. That's what I want of my life, and that's what I want of every Christian's life, is that we would have a testimony that would be pleasing to God. How do we get that? Look with me in verse number 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, what an incredible statement that we have in your word that, that Enoch uh, walked with you and that he pleased you. God, we desire that in our life, and God, I desire that in my life, and God, I pray that you'd help us to have a testimony, and Father, that we could see uh, what it is exactly that does please you, and Father, that we could emanate that in our life, and we could put that into practice, and Father, that we too could be pleasing to you. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. As we look at this text, and Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, um, it's interesting, and that verse just stands out to me uh, in verse number 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. You know, I believe that many, most people around us believe in God. Uh, you know, there's a few out there, and, and there are those, I, I'm not ignorant of the fact that or there are those who deny the existence of God or don't believe that there is a God, and, and, uh, and many of them really, uh, they'll claim one thing, but if you, uh, if you really nail them down, it's actually that they believe that there's not much that can be known about God, if you really nail them down. 
and, uh, and they, they, they don't really know much about him. But the problem really comes is that those that, uh, the majority that believe there is a God, but they don't know God. Matter of fact, they don't know anything about God. Uh, and what's more concerning is not so much that they don't know about God, but they live their life on a regular basis knowingly ignorant of God. I'm amazed at uh, how much priority that we put on uh, many things that, that are important. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, for example, I'm reminded of, you know, with the cold weather setting in, that everyone, hey, make sure you get your heaters checked, uh, you know, your, your furnaces, make sure they're working, and, and you change your filter, and all of those things. I was, somebody was telling me, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, he said, he said his furnace went out, and I was like, oh, that's not good. I said, but at least you got time before the real hard cold weather sets in. You get it fixed. And he said, yeah, and, uh, and he was able to do that. But, but, you know, we put a lot of importance, and I believe in maintenance. I think we ought to maintain things, and we ought to be prepared for the cold winter that's coming. And in summer, you know, you get your air conditioning and make sure that it's ready and you're prepared for, for summer that's going to come. And, and we do all these things, and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a car guy, okay? So I like to ch- I make sure my oil's changed. I make sure the uh, things are taken care of. And, and just the general maintenance of upkeep of a vehicle. And I'm amazed at all the priority that we'll do on, on the preparation side for this physical life, but how little preparation we do for all of eternity. And when you compare the two, the lifetime that we have is just a mere drop in the bucket, if that. I mean, if you live a very uh, a long and, and prosperous life and, and you make it to 110 and as God capped the years at 120, uh, that's, on our terms, we're saying, man, that's pretty good. I mean, you're doing really good. But what is 120 years compared to the 6,000 that has already passed in our time that we know of on earth? And if you take it even further than that, our mind really can't even wrap around <clears throat> how great and how extent time will last. Eternity. I mean, how do you put eternity into terms? I mean, you can't. We can't really comprehend it. But I can tell you this, we spend a whole lot of time and preparation uh, for many temporal things. And again, those are not bad things but we spend very little time in preparation for eternal things, and that's what bothers me. And many young people, they'll say, well, you know, I'll live my life and and I'll worry about that when I get older. You're not promised to get older. In all reality, I, I was... I do this on occasion, and I'll go to the uh, obituaries, and I just am scrolling down for, for somebody I know or for something. And, and I saw in there uh, this week, I saw that a young man had passed away younger than me. He was born when I graduated from high school. And I thought, that's pretty young. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Matter of fact, James puts it this way. He said, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And he goes on in verse number 14 and he says, whereas uh, ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
And we ought to spend our time in preparation for eternity. We ought to have in mind uh, that, hey, someday we're going to spend all eternity with God. We ought to get to know who He is. We ought to get to know what He thinks. We ought to get to know what He says in His Word. We ought to occupy ourselves uh, with a little bit of time in understanding who God is. And listen, the world, the world many times looks at Christians and looks at people uh, of faith and looks at people who believe the Word of God as foolish people. They really do. Sometimes they'll look at us this way. And, and, and I, I read this, and I, it was, it's funny to be honest with you, uh, but I thought that's kind of how the world views us. And it is a joke, so you can laugh, all right? It'll be all right. Two psychiatrists were walking one day, and they were talking, and uh, the one asked the other, he said, hey, what was your most difficult case that you've handled? And his colleague answered this. He said, you know, I, once I had a patient who lived in a, a pure fantasy world. He believed that his wildly rich uncle that lived in South America was going to leave him a fortune. And all day long, he waited for a make-believe letter to arrive from a fictitious attorney, and he never did anything or went anywhere. He had to wait for that letter to arrive. It wouldn't go anywhere. And his friend said, well, man, that's crazy. He said, well, what was the results? He said, man, it was... It was eight years of struggle, but I finally cured him and got him better. And then that stupid letter arrived. <laughs> Sometimes we think they think they know so much better, and, and in reality, hey, we're going to spend all eternity with God. We need to get to know Him. We need to find, hey, what is it that pleases God? As we look at this text and we look at Hebrews eleven six, and it says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. I'm assuming to this morning that uh, because you came to church that you came uh, in faith. And so you have somewhat of faith or maybe even a curiosity of God. And so you came here uh, on that, that uh, premonition that, hey, I want to know who God is and I want to get to know God better. And certainly that is a good thing and, and admirable at that. And we find that it's necessary to come to God. You cannot go to God uh, without believing that He exists. I mean, to be honest with you, we have a bunch of people sitting in a room that have never seen God. We've never seen Him. We've never physically talked to Him voice to voice, face to face, as a man would speak with another man. But yet we believe that He is. I would go a step further and say we know that He is because that's how sincere and that's how uh, true our faith is that we know that He does exist and yet many people would look at that and they'd say, well, that's uh, mere foolishness to go and, and talk about somebody that they've never met and, and worship somebody they've never seen and things of that nature. But we must have faith in order to arrive to God. And listen, many people, uh, are, are they, they do believe in a God. And so therefore they're seeking uh, many signs and many wonders. They're looking for something to substantiate the proof of God. They're looking for miracles. They're looking for astro uh, astrological signs and, and some great showing or some great uh, magnificent display that would say, hey, there is a God. And I was reminded this morning as I was thinking about the fact that uh, God oftentimes doesn't work that way. I, I was reminded of Elijah. 
And when Elijah was uh, up in a, he had gone to a mountain and, and God had led him there. And in 1 Kings 19.11, it says this. You don't have to turn there, but it says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before God. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Lost my spot. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Many people are looking for something. They're looking for a great show. They're looking for a dynamic display. But they don't realize that, hey, God has given us His written Word. And it's sitting down with God and coming to God uh, and, and just coming to His Word and reading through it. That, hey, He starts to commune with our heart. And they're looking for something, but they're not going to find God in the big show. They're not going to find God in the big display. Uh, they're, they're going to find God in that still, small voice in that moment of time when they sit down with Him. Some in life are seeking pleasure out of life. They're not seeking after God at all, and they're not trying to come to God. Matter of fact, they're trying to get everything out of life that they can get, and they're trying to get uh, all the, the enjoyment and gratification that life can give to them, and they want to live it up and party, and, and, uh, and they're afraid that God is going to somehow hinder their life and hold them back from some form of enjoyment in this life. And let me tell you this, there's nothing further than the truth to that. That's a lie from the devil that he wants you to believe and he wants you to think. But the end of that road and the end of that idea is bad. Save your spot here in Hebrews. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 1. I'd like you to see these verses. It's quite an amazing indictment that God gives in his word. And I'm not even going to add to it. I'll just give you the, the reference. We'll read it and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll leave it at that. Look with me in Proverbs chapter number 1. I'd like for you to see what the idea of, well, I don't want to know who God is, or I don't, I'm not interested in knowing uh, his, his Word or anything about Him. Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 20. And it's a lengthy passage, but it's fairly easy to understand. Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 20. Look with me what the Bible says there. It says, Wisdom crieth without and uttereth her voice in the streets. Let me just stop one second really quick and say this, that wisdom, there's no greater wisdom than that which is contained in the Word of God. And without, without uh, the Bible says that the beginning of uh, wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so if somebody does not fear the Lord, then there's no wisdom in their life. So he's saying this in verse number 20, that wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. Verse 21, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called and ye refused. 
I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproofs. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, and when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsels. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. What an incredible passage that is, really. I mean, just reading through that, it's quite an indictment of how those that would ignore the Word of God and they would live their life uh, completely oblivious to the fact that God exists and to the fact that God uh, wants to have a relationship with them. And they would go on uh, purposefully ignorant that God would even try to reach out to them and say, I'm not interested. It's an unbelievable indictment, and it's true. It's the Word of God. I don't even have to add to it. I, it's very clear in what God says that, listen, at some time He's going to cut it off and He's going to say, hey, there's too much. Uh, too much time has gone by and my offer no longer stands and it's no longer on the table. Uh, but listen, there is, there is time still while you're here. There is time while you're still looking for God. There is time while you're still uh, concerned with God. And the Bible does say this in Proverbs 8, 17. He says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. There's so many people that just go on there about their way, ignorant of God, willingly ignorant. They don't want anything to do with God. They're not interested in what He said in His Word. They're not interested in coming to church. They're not interested in having their life restricted. They're not interested in, in, in what would be sin and what would not be sin. They want to live their life how they want to live it, and they want to be ignorant of God. They're seeking pleasure in this life, but they're not seeking God. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. We have some seeking signs, some seeking pleasure. Listen, we need to be seeking God by faith through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get to God than through Jesus Christ. You know, some people like to, uh, they think that they can please God with their good works. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done. In other words, there's no amount of good works that we can do for salvation. He goes on and he continues, he says, but according to His mercy, He saved us and by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he says, listen, I offer salvation, but it's not by your good works. It's not that you could earn your salvation because we certainly can't. The only thing that we can do is put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and He alone can save us. Listen, that's the first step of faith. 
That's the first step of coming to God, believing that He is, and then calling out to Him for salvation. He's the only one that can save you. There's nobody else. The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through Jesus. Listen, I, I, I hate to tell you this, and I wish it weren't so, but being a member of Anchor Baptist Church does not save you. Oh, it doesn't. You can go be a member of a dozen churches. That's not going to save you. Being baptized is not going to save you. That, that water is not going to wash your sins away. It is only a faith in Jesus Christ and calling on Him and asking Him, God, help me, save me, forgive me of my sins. And hey, He will save you. If you'll call on Him. There's no religious amount of works. There's no good works that we can do. There's no amount of righteousness that we can merit to earn our salvation. There's none of that. We have to be saved by faith and we come to God in faith. So I'd ask you this morning, what are you seeking for? You seeking for signs? Are you seeking for pleasures? Are you seeking for God? Because... You must believe that He is. Then look with me back in our text in Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Not only must we seek God and come to Him, but secondly, I want you to notice that we need to stay focused and stay faithful to God. Look at with me that phrase, that last part of that verse. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word diligent means having or showing care and consciousness in one's work and duties. To be diligent. You know, I worked as a camp counselor for a couple years, and during those years, uh, I, I was, I, I was a uh, college kid. I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. And I worked as a counselor uh, all summer long. And, and during that summer, uh, I don't remember if it was 10 or, or 7 or 11 weeks of camp, but uh, every, every week of camp, there'd be a new set of kids they brought in. And man, they'd bring us in. Uh, they, they, they gave us a couple weeks of training and they said, listen, um, you know, you might have five kids, whatever, whatever the amount of kids you have in your cabin that week, it is your responsibility to stay with them night and day, every meal for every single day that they are here at camp. They said, you might have five kids, you might have 12 kids, you might have 11 kids, you might have seven kids. They said when they come in, they said on day number one, they said the very first thing they're going to do is they're going to say, hey, you've got, you're gonna, you need to find out how many kids you have in your cabin. And, uh, and they are your responsibility. And, they, and I never knew how much I would use this over the next few years of my life. But uh, they said, count your kids. So if on Monday... When you, all the kids get assigned to your cabin, if you got five kids, they said when you're going to breakfast, count your kids. When you're going to lunch and you're going, or you're going to the sporting activity, count your kids. They said if you have five kids and you count four, then start naming names and say, okay, I got uh, Johnny and I got Frank and I got Bob and I'm missing one. And, and then determine who it is that's missing and then go find that one that you're missing. But they said counting them is much faster. 
So count your kids. So every Monday I got my, my cabin and, and, uh, and I'd say, okay, I got five kids. And, and man, I, I would count them three or four, five, six times a day. I, I'd be heading out to the sporting event. One, two, three, four, five. We're good. Let's go. Heading off to lunch. One, two, three, four, five. We're good. Let's go. Heading off to chapel. One, two, three, four, five. We're good. Let's go. The next week I have seven. And I'd, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And we're, okay, we're good. Let's go. And, and, and keep those kids with me. And sometimes it was amazing because some of those kids, you know, we'd play sports and stuff. And, and some of the sports they just didn't do well at. And I kind of, I understand that. I have some things I didn't do well at. Uh, but uh, uh, they didn't have any interest. So we're heading off to the basketball court. And, and I got seven kids. I want two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, and I head off to the basketball court. And, and I get to the basketball court. And I'm one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm missing one. Now, where, who's, who's missing? And I turn up, and one of the kids, and, and you know, he wasn't, very, he wasn't skilled at basketball. He wasn't interested in basketball, and he wandered off. And on the way, you know, he stopped down by the creek, and he was pulling, um, he was pulling frogs out of the creek, you know, and things like that. I had to go back and find them and, and get them and drag them back down to the basketball court so we could all stay together. And, and, uh, and that was part of my responsibility. And I didn't know the Lord was going to give me six kids, and I'd be counting one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, we got them all. Let's go. I use that a lot during my lifetime, but, you know, it's amazing that, that we get distracted in life. There's so much that will draw our attention, and, and like that kid, he's on his way to the basketball court, and basketball didn't much interest him, so he'd rather stay down the creek and play, you know, with the frogs and, and, and mud and the water and things like that, and so you would lose him along the way. And listen, in our Christianity, if we're not diligent about our Christianity, there is a lot in the world that will draw us away from God. They're constantly pulling on us and, and calling for our attention and saying, hey, uh, over here is an activity that you could do instead of going to church. Hey, over here is something that you could do instead of reading your Bible. Hey, over here is something that you can do instead of serving the Lord. And, and there's all kinds of activities that are constantly pulling us away. And we need to be careful that we do not get distracted from what God wants us to do. And he says here in our text, and he that is a and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Go with me to Joshua chapter number 22. Save your spot there in Hebrews as we'll be back there. Joshua chapter number 22, and I want you to see this text. During the book of Joshua, they had conquered the land. God had given them a command to go in and wipe out all the other nations and to occupy the land that God had promised them. And so they did that in the book of Joshua. It's a phenomenal book to study and read. But we find here towards the end of the book of Joshua in chapter number 22 something that is of great importance and interest to us. He says in Joshua chapter 22 and verse number 1. Joshua 22 and verse number 1. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren uh, these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Let me just stop right there and tell you this. He's commending them. 
He's brought them together. They've conquered the land. They've gone in. They've done what they've been asked to do. And he's commending them. He's saying, man, you guys have done a great job. You've gone in and you've done uh, what you were supposed to do. And you've stuck by the stuff. And, and you've warred and you've battled and you've been faithful in all that God has asked you to do. So he's giving them a, a great commendation there. Look with me at verse number 4. And he says, And now the Lord your God hath given you rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get ye unto your tents and unto the land of your possession which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. He's like, you can go back home. Hey, our work is done and it's been completed and praise the Lord for that. Go on to verse number 5 and look at what he says. He says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cleave unto Him and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And he gives them a warning in verse number 5. You say, wait a minute, in verse number 3 and 4, he was just commending them on the, the phenomenal job that they had done. Yes, he was commending them. And in verse number 4, he says, man, you can go back home. And you know what he says? You can take and you can sit down in your easy boy and you can prop your feet up and you can relax because you've done what God has told you to do and you've, you've, you've done all the work. But then in verse number 5, he says, wait a minute, but take heed. Hey, just because everything is going easy, just because you've arrived to that mountaintop experience, and just because God has given you the promised land, don't, don't neglect the commandments of God. He said you still have to be uh, a diligent in reading and obeying and following the Word of God in your life. And listen, many times in our Christian life, we want to make it to that place where it's all easy, and, and man, uh, you know, that's a good place to be at. But when everything is easy and when everything's going smoothly, it's so easy to fall away from God. It's so easy to slide backwards. And he's warning them and he's telling them, and this is not the only time that this warning shows up in the Word of God. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy as well. And he tells them, hey, when good days come, you better beware and you better be careful and you better be extra on guard that you are diligent in following the Word of God. Because it'll be so easy to slide away from God. Go with me to the book of Exodus really quick. We see that diligence in the book of Exodus. We see the diligence here in Joshua. Exodus chapter number 15. In Exodus chapter number 15, they have just left Egypt. They just left the, uh, the bondage and the slavery that they had been in. And God had displayed many, uh, many miracles that He did there and, and brought them out. And in Exodus chapter 14, it's a phenomenal chapter. God opens up the Red Sea and they cross that Red Sea on dry ground and they get to the other side. And, and Exodus chapter 15 is a, is a, is a victory uh, for the Israelites. Matter of fact, it's a song of victory. It starts off with them singing the victories, uh, victories that God has given them. Go with me to verse number 26, almost to the end of the chapter. They've already had the problem with the water and not being able, and they were murmuring against God already. But verse number 26, he says this, And if thou wilt diligently hearken, there's our word, diligent. And if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the 
Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all the, his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The word diligence is used, uh, diligent or diligently, or diligence is used some 60 times in the Bible. And this is the very first occurrence of it. And that God says, hey, you need to be diligent in following the Word of God. Oftentimes we are so nominally following the Word of God. Listen, it's easy to fall into... Nominalist? That's not a word. It's easy to fall into a, just a common routine. We go to church because that's what we've always done. There's not much effort. You know, I'm reminded when I was a kid, my dad would send us into the garage. He'd say we'd be working out. We were, we were his gophers. And I didn't appreciate it much as a kid. I didn't want to be a gopher. I didn't even want to be outside. I'd rather be, you know, doing something else. I'd be rather playing and, and doing anything else. But my dad would have me there helping him work on the car or do whatever and, and, uh, or renovate something. And, and, and when he needed something, here's what a gopher is for those of you who don't know. He'd say, son, go for this. Go for that. Go for this tool. It's in the garage. Go for that. And I was his gopher, so I went and found it. And he'd tell me, he'd send me to the garage, he'd say, hey, go find uh, this. You know, I'd go to the, I was a kid, I'd go to the garage, you know what kids do. Hmm. I don't see it anywhere. Amazing. I go back, go back to where my dad was, I, I couldn't find it. He'd say, it's in the garage, it's on this counter, it's in this drawer, you kind of name where it's at, it's in that area, and, and uh, my dad's garage wasn't real organized, but nonetheless, I go back and I look a little closer at that area. Hmm. I couldn't find it. I go back, and finally my dad would have to get up, and, and we'd both go to the garage, and he'd open a drawer and say, it's right here, grab the tool, we go right back. You know what the problem was? I wasn't invested in that project. I didn't care what was going on. I, I, was, I was there because I had to be there. I didn't have any vested interest. I didn't care if that car worked or not. I mean, I didn't realize I cared. I would have if it hadn't worked. I wouldn't have been going anywhere. Just riding along even. We wouldn't have had groceries. But, but I didn't realize the importance of that. And I didn't invest any effort. And I, I put zero diligence into going and looking for something. So many times in our Christianity, we don't realize how important it really is in our life. And we just kind of go through the motions and we go to where we're supposed to be and we kind of look around and, and act like we're occupied or, or we'll put our time in and we go back and we couldn't get it done. And, and God is saying, listen, uh, He is a rewarder of them that diligently... Seek Him. Putting forth some effort, having some vested concern. The word diligence means having or showing care or conscientiousness in one's work or duties. That we would be uh, diligent in our Christianity and not nominal in our Christianity. We need to stay faithful to God's work. Are we seeking Him? Are we staying faithful to his diligence. Lastly, I want you to see 
the reward from the judge, the reward that we have. Look at back in Hebrews chapter number uh, 11 and verse number 6. I love this. He says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hey, this is the best part right here. That God would bless us for being diligent about seeking him. You know, we'll not go there because we've already been there, but the last part of Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 26 that we read says this, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. You know one of the blessings of being a Christian? You know one of the blessings of being saved? You know one of the blessings of of diligently seeking after God? You might not ever know them. Because the pestilence might never come to you. The disease and sickness might never reach you. Because the problems might never come to you. And I'm not saying that you'll never have sickness and that you'll never have problems and that you'll never have uh, struggles and difficulties. But I am telling you this, that God promised those Israelites, hey, if you will diligently seek after my word, if you will diligently heed and hearken and obey to what I've told you to do, then I will keep back those pestilences that I sent to the Egyptians. All those things, the lice, the frogs, uh, the rivers that turned to blood, the flies, and all the plagues that were upon them, he said, I will hold them back from your life. You say, what's the blessings of being a Christian? Many times there are things that you probably can't see. And who knows what God has protected you in your life from. I've been a missionary. I was a missionary for many years. And I, I traveled I don't even know. how. I wish, I wish to this day I had calculated and kept track of my miles. I don't know how many miles I've driven all over creation. But I can tell you this. There's been time. I broke down on the side of the road, yes. But there's been times, and I would say the majority of the times, God has just taken care of us and taken care of us and provided for us and kept my vehicle running when probably it shouldn't have been running and done things that... One time, uh, we sat on the road for, for, I don't know, it was probably an hour and a half, probably longer, on the highway, just sitting there. No, no traffic was not moving at all. An accident had taken place. And I thought, God could have very well protected us from that accident. You don't know. We don't know what, what it is that God protects us from. But I can promise you this. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Maybe he's keeping you protected from things you don't even realize. And listen, sometimes you don't realize how blessed you are until you wander outside of those blessings. Sometimes you don't realize how good things are until you don't have those things. And then you realize, well, uh, maybe I had it a lot better than I thought I did. And, uh, and God is very well could be protecting us from judgment. Not only that, but I want you to notice the peace is also another reward. Not just protection from judgment, but peace. You remember in Joshua 22 that we read in verse number 4, he says this, you don't have to go back there, but he says, And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised. You go home at night, 
You close up your doors and lock them up. I do. Shut all my lights off. You go to pillow your head. And you know what? I don't have a problem sleeping for the most part. Sometimes I have pains and sometimes I'm not that old, but you know what? I have the peace of God in my life. My life is not in turmoil. It's not in distress. It's not in anxiety and, and this and that. And, and you know, the, most, the majority of the world, they cannot say that. They have anxiety. They have, they, have, uh, they have depression. They have insecurities. They have unsettledness. They have uh, worry and all of these things that plague their life that, listen, as a Christian and as a believer, we can turn them over to God and say, God, everything may not be like I like it and everything may not be going the way that I would like it to go, but you know what? I can rest myself safely knowing that you're in control of everything. And that you'll take care of it. And in the end, it doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. Wasn't it Jesus who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hey, we can turn all that stuff over to God. Christian, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Turn it over to God and allow Him to take care of it. And we can have rest. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Then lastly, not only the protection from judgment, peace in this life that we can have, but then paradise of being saved, being born again. Listen, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, Jesus said to that man on the cross that was dying, that sinner that was guilty of his sin, who said, truly, this is the Son of God. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Wasn't it Jesus who said, let not your hearts be troubled Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And he said, listen, I have a place prepared for the Christian. Oh, listen, this life, you might not have everything you want. But I tell you what, the eternal benefits far outweigh 50 years, 60, 80, 100, 120 maximum of difficulty and struggle that you might face on this world, eternity far outweighs that. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I want you to see the reward. I want you to seek God and I want you to stay faithful. Be diligent in our searching after God, with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. What a phenomenal verse, really, in all reality, if we think about it. God, there's a lot on our part. And we don't doubt that you'll fail on your part, God. You always come through. It's us that fail so many times. We fail to be diligent. 
We fail to be faithful. We fail at many things. God, we ask you to help us. Help us to see the reward. Help us to stay faithful. God, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, that they would seek you with their life. They'd be saved. They'd put their faith and trust in you this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us to be pleasing to you and have a testimony like Enoch did that walked with you and was pleasing to you. I pray, God, that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke to your heart. to a close.